Welcome back to another episode of End to End. Me and Joe are here with you on episode five of season four, or episode seven of season four. Uh, we got some news. We got some news, and it's not as last week where we had to cover basically everything that would happen in the hockey world, but there's some two big major things that happened in the hockey world, and I think one of them we all saw coming, and we've saw on this podcast, Joe, it was coming for a while. So you can go announce that with the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, so we were harping on it. They were losers last week because they did not fire anyone yet. But then they they finally did it. They blew up the organization in terms of the head office and the coach. So Jimmy Benning and his dyed hair, Travis Green, are fired as both a GM and the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks right now. I don't even really know who their interim is right now for for the GM. But uh, in terms of the head coach... We got an old, reliable, mean man himself, Barbecue Brucey, signing a two-year deal with the Canucks at the end of this. So this year, the finish this year and next year as well. So just going back to the firings of Green and Bending. So Bending, like overall, his tenure was like not successful whatsoever in terms of building a competitive team. He did hit like on, I would say like the, he hit on like his picks, his higher up picks, but like the contracts that this guy would sign on July 1st just completely set the franchise back every single year. And ultimately was a reason why they never ended up being as successful as they could have been. Um, And then for Travis green, like it was so weird because they had such a bad year last year. They could have, they could blame COVID, whatever Pedersen was hurt. So they, he was out of a contract last year. They gave him an extension and then fired him already. So, you know, Apparently, in the like, I don't know too much about the Canucks and their ownership, but their ownership is apparently too hands-on that the Canucks fans don't like, and they they won under the, under Barbecue Bruce their first game four nothing. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, it's a huge shift just a week or so after Montreal kind of blew up their front office. Uh, so what do you think of these moves? Yeah, I think it's something we like. We said we saw it coming. Uh, this is definitely the move they should have done. They probably should have done it before the year, to be honest, because the way they ended last year with all the COVID stuff and not making the playoffs, obviously, that was a L in itself. And I think a major step back of what they did in the bubble a few years ago. Um, like you said, Joe, perfectly nailed it. Uh, Jim Benning's tenure as general manager was not a success. So I think at the end of the day, the, the move they made and obviously firing him was good. Um, also, like you said, Russo always mentioned this. Russo and Tom always mention this on the podcast, but they always say like Jim Benning is a scout first, then a general manager, and he'd be, he'd be the perfect scout on an NH, NHL franchise. And like you said, he hit on basically every pick he's gotten. Just Russo keeps iterating, iterating this. Do not let Jim Benning pick up the phone on July 1st. He's going to get burned. And what did he do? He got burned every July 1st or whenever, like last year when they signed Tucker Pullman and all those stupid contracts. That was even on July 1st. So basically, whenever free agent starts, do not let that guy uh, handle the phone there. But it was a time coming for Jim Benning. Travis Green, I, I don't think he got the credit where he deserved. I, I do think that there was there's still something left in him as a head coach in the National Hockey League. I just don't know where yet. It Obviously, his team crumbled on him. Like, players were not very good this year. But I couldn't say he was good either because, obviously, the record shows. But I think there's still something in Travis Green for a head coaching position, whether it's around the league or somewhere in the AHL, uh, to kind of re- kick- kickstart his career. But, 
you know, I think he got the really brute end of this because I think he's still a decent head coach in the NHL. But like you said, Barbecue Bruce is back in. He gave us an ultimate meme to start off his Vancouver tenure. <laughs> and um, he looks to be like he's a hard-nosed coach. So I'm going to see what their players are able to do. Are they able to pivot off that? Are they able to cancel that noise out? Because we've seen in the past, obviously, John Tortell being one of those coaches in the past recently that is very hard-nosed and Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of cracked under that pressure. So I'm able to kind of see whether the Canucks players will be able to do that. Bounce back. Like you said, they've got a shutout and won their, in their first game with them. So we'll see how this coaching tenure continues for Barbecue Bruce. But I think it's the right move to make for the Canucks. And horrible timing right before Christmas. It's just – it kind of – like it's a new set team right now. And then you're going to the Christmas break. You're sort of like with your family. And then you go back into January. And that's where the second half of the year basically starts. And they got to get rolling right off the bat or they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Like, luckily for them, they're only, I think, six or eight points out of a playoff spot right now. And there's still like over 50 games left. So they do have runway to go on a run. Yeah, but they do have to kind of go quickly because all these California teams, specifically <laughs> Anaheim and San Jose have been really surprising, even LA to a degree, they kind of slowed down a bit. But yep. like, they're not easy wins like they were last year. Um, so Vancouver, if they really need to get hot and go on a little bit of a streak here, if they want to get back into the playoff picture, they still have a solid team, especially like their top six forwards and their goaltending. Um, and so they, it's just more unlocking that potential. Like you have guys like Besser and Hughes, I mean, Besser and Pedersen who are really struggling to score and put up points. Um, JT Miller has obviously been really good for them and Connor Garland, who they got. So they just need these guys to like play as a team, score on the power play. And then I didn't know this, but this year so far, they were the worst penalty kill in NHL history before Bruce got there. Um, so he has to fix that too. Like that's a huge issue. You're not going to win any games with the worst penalty kill ever. So um, I think for the Canucks, we'll see what happens with them. They're going to probably, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them now to perform because uh, they already fired the coach. They fired the GM. Now it's all up to the players to perform. Yep, totally agree. Totally agree. And then we saw another coach firing, not a GM firing, uh, in Philly. Uh, Alan Vigneault's out as head coach. Mike Yo has stepped in to be the interim head coach. I don't know if they're looking towards another head coach, but hey, they had three head coaches on that bench with Mike Yo, obviously, Alan Vigneault, and Michel Therrien. <laughs> so Michel Therrien is also out as well. So that's two French coaches that are out on the Phillies bench. But this team, I can't say – I couldn't talk about them enough. I was very high on this team going forward in, uh, into this year and even last year as well. And they disappointed me both seasons. I was in on Carter Hart. Don't know if it's fully his fault, but he's got to start playing well as well. But this team – it doesn't look like it's the one that's going in the future for me. I don't think it's looking like the future one for you. Uh, right move for them to fire Alan Vigneault. Yeah, 100%. Um, they didn't really do any – like last year was such a disappointment for them. Um, they were so hot that year that COVID hit 19, in 2019-2020. Uh, COVID hit and then they, they – whatever. They beat Montreal in the first round. They lost in the second round. Yeah. Um, but they just like – they have too many like bloated contracts on that team. And I'm not going to totally blame the coach, but at the same time, like 
he just didn't work with them at all, really, other than that hot run that they had to end that last year before COVID stopped everything. Um, and then, like, they didn't – like, they just never kind of really looked good, like, especially defensively last year. They looked awful. Yeah. Hart was awful. The guy basically got demoted, and they shut him down for the year. Um, and then this year hasn't made any changes. So, obviously, they fired him and Michelle Tannerian, who was the assistant coach. Mike Yo, like you said, is interim head coach. I don't know how much longer he'll he'll be there because he's part of that staff that was really disappointing. Um, Chuck Fletcher, the GM, I believe, has made a lot of moves, especially this past offseason, uh, to their blue line, to bolster that blue line. But Rasmus Ristolainen, <laughs> I mean, the guy is not a good defenseman. And then you, you acquire Ryan Ellis. The, the guy's played four or five games this year out of 25. So he just can't stay healthy. He's got a lot of term left on his deal. Um, you have their captain in Claude Giroux, who's an expiring UFA. It's just really bad for the Flyers. I'm going to get into them a little bit later. But it's just these moves needed to be made, but there's there could be a lot more coming. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, like you said, Claude Giroux, he's the captain of the team. He's performing great for them, but it's time to kind of take a step back and like, am I part of the plans going in the future? Like he's on an expiring contract. We'll see where that goes. But yeah, Phillies in shambles. You'll talk about them later since you have them in a certain award segment we have. So we'll talk about them there. But we get to the Leafs and Jets thing that happened. That was crazy. Yeah, that was an absolute shit show. And this is, again, this is like our monthly rant on the player, the Department of Player Safety. All they do is protect themselves um, and the refs specifically. Like, the refing in this game was awful. And yeah. it's the reason why all of these injuries happened. It's the reason why all these suspensions happened. And we'll get into it, but it's just an absolute joke at this point. If you want to be one of the, the best professional sports leagues in North America, you have to clean this shit up. You can't have guys taking runs at each other constantly in this. Like, there's – it just doesn't make your brand any much better. It makes the players disrespect each other by just flying at each other for no reason, which you can just control the game. So, Yeah, so a few things that came out of that. Neil Pionk was suspended two games for kneeing Rasmus Sandin. That led to be Rasmus Sandin out for two to three weeks. So, I mean, it could have been a lot worse, but I guess we'll it take two to three worse. weeks. Yeah, it looked a lot worse. Uh, and then the biggest one that came out last night, I was a hockey, but I didn't see it until I got out. But Jason Spets suspended six games. Uh, he will appeal that suspension. Don't know how many games it's going to go down. I would assume one <laughs> to the five games he was the minimum. Um, but I guess we'll run through it. Like, what are your thoughts on the Pionk? What are your thoughts on the Spezza? Do you think more or less for both of them? So the Pionk, I think, should have been more than two. And the Spezza should have been probably one less. Like, the Spezza play does not happen if there's a penalty called immediately on Pionk. And like, I think that there's also like this stuff where it was like Matthews and Dubois were getting like tangled up and there was no call. It's like they called like roughing on like Matthews or something. Like the game was getting out of hand and the score was already out of hand. It was like six, five, three or six, three in the third when all this happened. Um, but if you, if you call that hit on Pionk to Sandine, the whole Spezza thing does not happen, and everything just doesn't elevate from there. Um, like, it's – like, knee on knee is one of the worst plays in hockey to go with slew foot. It's tough to say, like – because sometimes, like, 
in the play, like Sandine cut back and then the knee hit. So the same thing, we'll get into this a little later, but the same thing literally happened last night and we could just rip the player safety department again. But like overall, like the suspensions don't make sense. Um, also, Pionk's also in concussion protocol as well. So I, I feel like that they waited into the last second to make a decision on Spezza. They found out that happened and then they just added more games, which doesn't make sense. Um, but that's kind of my view on it. Like it's very stupid and avoidable for Spezza specifically because what he did was worse than what Pionk did because like, it just was like yeah. you can't really defend it. No. Um, but yeah, that's my view on it. Yeah, no, I'm a Leafs fan. I think that's a five gamer for sure. Like it was the minimum he could have gotten, but it's the refing's fault. Like I, they got the game out of control, and it just wasn't. It went downhill from there. We saw all the stuff, like you said, Matthews Dubois. That didn't have, end up happening with anyone there. But I mean, it was a power play filled game for the Jets. The Leafs penalty kill wasn't very good, and then all that stuff happened. So I, I think I agree with most of them except for Pionk. Like like. I think that's a bit more and obviously has a concussion now because obviously the spets a hit, but it just doesn't like, it doesn't add up, right? Like it doesn't make sense how one guy can get six games. The other guy could get two, like it sort of, but should, should be sort of the same amount of games. They should probably should have gone both. So I mean, yeah, just, right. uh, just another joke. And then we just saw last night, um, Ian Cole, knee on knee with uh, Mark Shifley looked almost very similar to the Shifley one. Uh, sorry, the Pionk one on Rasmus Sandin. It was on Shifley last night. And he only gets a $5,000 fine. Like, really? The, literally the exact same play, like, two nights later in Winnipeg again. And I think the Cole one was worse because that guy was, like, flying at him to try to hit him. Like, in his in Shifley was in his own zone, and the defenseman comes up to hit him. And right. Hits him like bad in the knee. Like it was just as bad as the Sandine one. One guy gets two games and the other guy gets 5K. How that doesn't make sense. Like it's so, it's so, it makes the league look like a joke, which it is. So, yeah. And it, like it's the same story over and over again. We say, are they going to fix the penalties, the cross checking penalties? They went really hard on those and some are called weak, some of them are called right. And it's just that trickling effect where we're like, okay, we're like, it's, we're, we're seeing this coming. We're seeing the bad calls coming. We're seeing the bad things uh, tossed out by George Peros over there. Um, consistency is a major factor throughout this whole player safety thing. It's just not there right now. Um, and then we obviously want to fix, we, the fans want to fix. It's just never going to get fixed. Like it's at this point, it's not. So we got to deal with what happens, the bad calls, the stupid, um, amount of games people are getting and a few weeks ago i think we talked about it too marshan got three games for a slew foot not considered a repeat offender like it doesn't matter if it's 18 months you're you're a repeat offender like you've done it before in the past like if you've done it before in the past it, you're obviously gonna if it happens again you should be given more games for that i don't care if it's 18 months that doesn't make any sense because the player has still done it in the past. He remembers he did it. Like the league remembers he still did it. There's footage that he still did it and he only got yeah. three games for it. So yeah, it's um, really, really bad. It's bad. They really got to fix it. They're not, I I'm just, I, I'm not even surprised that they're not going to fix this in the future, but God, Neil Pionk is one dirty son of a gun. He's done this like not knee on knee, but he's been at this Leafs team for 
since the bubble started last year, just slashing, headshotting. Like, I, I, I don't remember seeing is, Neil. Yeah, the whole team's pretty dirty, to be fully honest. Yeah. The only guy that's, like, clean, like, even, like, I could even relate the Jets yep. series versus Montreal, that fucking Shifley hit. That was, the, that was like, the, the most absurd thing I've seen on an empty <laughs> net ever. The guy knocked him out for an empty net. Like, the game's over. Yeah. Like, they're just so dirty. Uh, like, 90% of their team's dirty, except for, like, Ehlers is, like, the only one I, like, have respect for. This guy takes just as much abuse from anyone else yes. in the league. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't really feel sorry for Pionk. Like, like, glad he's okay. Like, if Spets are really connected on that knee, the guy's oh, literally, yeah. like, knocked out. Like, mm-hmm. That's why it's bad. That's mm-hmm. why he got the more games. Because it the... Like, the outcome was, like, okay, he's in concussion protocol. But if he connected, like, Spencer could have got 20 games, potentially. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. No, I agree it's with you there. Bad. It could have been – both scenarios could have been a lot worse. Thank God they weren't. But uh, it happens when games get out of hand. We've seen it firsthand with our beer leagues. And even just playing and watching other teams play. Like, we've seen it. Once the refing goes to shit, the games goes to shit. So, it's the same thing yeah. that happened here, but in the big leagues. Um, yep, and that's bad. Yeah, and that's bad. Other thing that's bad, Mitch Marner will be out for three to four weeks. Um, the Leafs continue still to play p- pretty good without him. Um, it's only been three games. We'll see how the long run goes, but it's probably not going to come back till the first or midweek of January, I'm going to say. So it's going to hurt. Their first time right now is Michael Bunting, Austin Matthews, and Wayne Simmons. So don't know how long that's going to keep up. I don't know how long that's going to keep up, but Austin Matthews continues to score, so I don't know. I don't know. Him and Bunting have some pretty good chemistry. The Bunter, the 28-year-old rookie. <laughs> He's like second in rookie points. <laughs> the guy's like – how old is he actually? Like 26. 26. The guy's like six to seven years older than the guys in front of him. Yeah, the guy in the race. Raymond's 19. Yeah, exactly. But – yeah, Mitch Marner, three, four weeks. Don't know how that's going to play out. Uh, the, apparently, the Leafs penalty kill has been playing bad, and the stats obviously show what they have been. But, like, at the, I, Mitch Marner wasn't a specialty penalty killer. Like, he was definitely fast. He made the Leafs go on two-on-ones and sort of that thing. But in the, like, the defensive zone, like, I think positioning is obviously harder than it looks, but I don't think it's that hard for someone to step up and just play their position on the penalty kill. Like, I've seen the Leafs meet up blowing out of proportion saying, Oh, they missed Mr. Marner. They need to acquire a penalty killer. I did that. No, like, relax. Like, yeah, the whole half the bottom six is like penalty killers. Like, yeah. they have like a lot of guys that could. Well, McKay going to be coming back soon. There's your solution. He's a penalty killer. You throw him out there with is Camp healthy or no? Yes, yes, yep. Okay, so him, Camp, uh, you could probably put, uh, I don't even know, like Bunter. <laughs> is he a PK specialist? He's not. It's like Kampf, Kasha, Simmons, Spezza usually goes on it too, Kerfoot, like that sort of rotation, and then obviously Marner, but now he's not there. But Okay. Yeah, I don't know. They, they, they should be fine. I think it's just a kind of getting used to having not Marner there for the first couple of games, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, they'll figure it out. Like, they could still score without him as you saw last night, yeah. um, but still they should be okay. 
And then Jake Ensel is week to week with an injury. Um, he was on the famous, I think, 13-game point streak in the NHL, which was the longest um, current point streak in the NHL. Uh, sucks for him because this Penguins team, we've, I mentioned in the group chat today, like they just seem to always get an injury, but their mentality is, and obviously Mike Sullivan's a big part of this, is just next man up. Like next guy who goes in, it could be a grinder for all we know. We don't know, but he plays good. Like it's just the system that they play. It just appeals to every player, every sort of player that they bring up throughout the uh, the AHL and put there in their lineup. Like it just keeps on working. The Penguins are not slowing down without these guys. I know, and it's like they don't have like injuries where it's like all oh, like I don't know, like a third or fourth line is injured. It's like their best players on the roster are consistently hurt. Crosby, yeah. Malkin has yet to play. Latang missed time with COVID. Like Dumoulin was out. Like. Gensel's out like it's like their best players are literally always out and they still win games like I I don't get it like it's it's literally just the organization it is so quality and not even how it develops players but how it like continues to like adapt to all these injuries and and COVID issues that they have and and this guy is missing and that guy's missing they mm-hmm. just they have their structure like you said and they just plug in guys and they just perform like when Crosby like missed the most of the start of the year like and then, like, Rust was hurt. It was, like, Evan Rodriguez was, like, putting on, like, a clinic. Like, <laughs> Evan Rodriguez. The, the guy was, like, on waivers, like, last year. So, it's just – it's crazy how they always manage to, to overcome these injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something I wish my team could do and plug in players. Like, I, obviously, we have great players. I'm not complaining about that whatsoever. But it's just the ability to kind of next man up mentality. Like, Simmons, like I just said, on the top line. He's not going to perform on that top line. But if you throw Evan Rodriguez on the top line, he's going to perform. Like, I don't get it, right? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, next news, Nick Suzuki, your boy, the center for the Montreal Canadiens. Ninth youngest Habs player to reach 100 group points. That is pretty crazy considering their over 100-year uh, history of that team. Yeah, it's also, like, pretty impressive because he didn't start until he was 20 with the team. So if he started, like, well, not 18, but say if he started 19, it could have, he could have passed it already. Yeah. Um, I was actually surprised when I saw that. I'm like, ninth youngest in the whole history. Like, I'm like, he's not, he's like 22. So it was like, he's young, but he's not that young. Right. Um, so like, I was kind of surprised. So I just had to throw that in there. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty impressive. Like the I said, the only 100... highlight of this awful year. <laughs> well, the other highlight would be winning the draft lottery and Carey Price somehow miraculously coming back and leading this team to the playoffs, but don't see that happening. Hell no. If anything, you come back, play good for five games, and then they're like, ah, oh, throw him on the Olympic team. <laughs> and then just make sure he's injured for the rest of the year and then get that first overall pick. Yeah, and then tell him to go back to BC with Webby and chill. <laughs> um, next piece of news Trevor Zegras that crazy assist last night um, like you said before like what a play and I don't even think people really think about this when they're on the ice uh, the only other guy I would think of is Pavel Barber but he does not play in the NHL he plays on YouTube and then this guy <laughs> just did a YouTube like thing in the NHL like that's crazy yeah, like, this kid is the real deal. Like, ever since the World Juniors in January where he lit up the tournament, he has been, like, on my radar. Like, I've been, like, closely watching along. Yep. Um, He's sick. Like, he's only 20. He's a rookie, obviously, this year. Played a little bit last year. 
Um, and that assist, like, he just had time behind the net. And, like, the creativity to, like, do, like, a half Michigan, but a pass, <laughs> and then bat it out of the air for Milano. Like, obviously, they practiced. They did this in practice. That's how it worked. Because apparently Milano said when he was behind the net, he's like, Michigan. And that's the play that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, just – it's so creative. And, like, it actually worked. Like you yeah. said, this is, like, Pavel Barber YouTube stuff with, like, a crap goalie and no defenseman. Like, it it worked. And, it like, it like, both of them were, like, shocked. <laughs> I was, like, holy shit when I saw it. So, that was awesome to see. Yeah, he might be the best guy in the league. Like, I know there's other guys with great hands, but he might he might be the most creative guy in the league. And it's very criminally underrated, obviously, because he plays on Anaheim and people kind of resort to Anaheim being bad the last few seasons. And they have been, but they've been way better this year. He's been noticeable this year. Um, Trevor Zegers, like, it's, it just popped up my TV right now. <laughs> like, like, this guy is crazy Dang. to watch. Yeah, and he's only 20 years old. I want to see this Ducks team kind of perform and get better as they're obviously all young players and you know when they get started to get good in their prime man this team's gonna be some fun to watch oh yeah Leonard Robin Leonard is very surprising well not very surprising I, I don't know if it'd be surprising to you or to me but obviously with the health concerns of him I think the doctors told him it's safe to not go to the Olympics and that's what he's doing uh, Robin Leonard is not participating in the 2022 Beijing, Beijing Olympics um, it's surprising on the note because, you know, Sweden's goalies take a hit, but then you have Jacob Markstrom in the net. So I think they'll be pretty good there. They're going to run the ring with him, uh, considering I think their other goalies are Linus Allmark, who's not having a good year, and Anton Forsberg in Ottawa, who's having a great year. But um, tough for Robert Leonard. He's, he's been one of those guys in the league where you just want to cheer for him all the time, and obviously he's going to be missing the Olympics, and you can't really cheer for him there. Yeah, um, it's, it's going to be, like, a bit tough uh, for Sweden. Um, but, like you said, they have Markstrom. And he's gonna, they're just going to ride him to hopefully finishing in a medal spot. Uh, that's probably their hope there. Um, I don't even know who would be their third goalie right now. Like, I can't really recall off the top of my head. I, I, I just said Linus Allmark, Anton Forsberg, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think – but both of them, like – like Allmark, like he signed that deal in Boston, but he's not even done that well. Like, and now like we don't we don't have this in our notes, but like Tuka Rask is like practicing as an emergency backup for the team right now. Obviously, he's still recovering from major hip surgery, and he doesn't right. even have a contract with the Bruins. But imagine like Tuka comes back in like a month and just steals this guy's job for the rest of the year. I don't know how they would move on from Swayman and Allmark considering they dedicated free agency money to Allmark and kind of put their their hope into this young guy, Jeremy Swayman. Like, we don't know what Tukaras is going to be like when he returns, first of all. Like, he could be bad. He could no. be very good. But it's just, like, it's going to be weird to be like, okay, like, now they just got to get rid of a goalie. Like, or they're going to carry three, like – yeah, it's going to be tough to see what they do. If they do decide to bring Rass back, like, he'll be, like, 35 or so. Like, he's not young anymore. Um, we'll see what happens there. Yep. Uh, okay. Ward segment. Uh, hard hat. We're going to do that first. Ward's the best player in the NHL this past week of play. You took my centerman on my favorite team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. It is? Austin Matthews, who, when we recorded last Wednesday – 
you said you, we talked about i think i don't know if it was during the when we were recording it right after you're like yeah the, like all like uh kemper was scratched right before like yeah this is a game the leafs <laughs> losing like there's no way they're losing and then matthew <laughs> scores a hat trick that game against the cardio goalie um cardio performance from the abs that game they lost like eight two or eight three or something eight three yeah so yeah, anyway, so Matthew's last four games, so including last Wednesday, seven goals, two assists, two power play goals, two power play assists, one game winning goal. So he's right back into the uh, Rocket Richard trait uh, race. I think he's third now behind Dry Saddle and Ovi. Um, there wasn't any any doubt. He, he started off the season slow, as you know, when the Leafs were struggling early on, but he has 10 goals in his last seven games. And they're offensively, he's rolling like, but the thing is like, he's not scoring a lot of these snipes. A lot of them are like tippins in front or like right around the net. Like yep. they're not patented like rips from the point or like coming in. A lot of them are like in tight. Yeah, no, you're, you're definitely right. Like it's definitely a change to see Matthews kind of do that's those things instead of the padded wrist shot on the power play or getting set up for one timers. Cause Quite frankly, there's not a ton of playmaking ability on his line right now that can make him get that one-timer. So he's going to have to work pretty hard to get those goals. But he's been incredible last week. Um, seven straight games with the goal. Hopefully continues to do eight goals, eight straight games with the goal a day versus Tampa tomorrow. So we'll see. But I'm surprised you didn't go with this guy. Um, I'm picking Artemi Panarin. Four goals, five assists, nine points since last recording. It's only been a week since we recorded, so I'm pretty impressive stuff there as well. Um, Artemi Panarin, I, I, he had a slow start, and Mika Zibanejad continues to be a bit slow as well, but Artemi Panarin is a guy who's going to be in the Art Ross conversation for at least the next three to four years because he doesn't slow down. He gets all these points. Um, he's kind of the savior for the New York Rangers right now, along with Chris Kreider, who's definitely getting a lot of power play goals there, but... Artemi Panarin is the driving force for that team right now. You could look at Shesterkin, but he's down. You could look at Adam Fox. He's probably one of the best defensemen in the NHL. But if it doesn't go through Panarin, unfortunately, the New York Rangers don't score goals. And he's a part of that um, good problem that they have because he can get those goals and get those assists that lead to goals. So he's my heart of the week. Matthews Panarin for those two. We'll move on to the Golden Plunger. So flush the toilet for us. And again, two weeks in a row, we picked two teams. Yeah, we'll go with yours first, first because it's the team we talked about at the top of the episode. Philadelphia, man. They are not doing good. No, and this is like – and also your pick's another Metropolitan team. So <laughs> if you it. go back to last week, the last – three out of the last four picks have been from the Metro, which yeah. is – Something I wouldn't have thought of going into the year. But like I said, so mine is the Flyers. So obviously they fired, you know, they, they fired the coach and, and Terry. And you would think that would light a fire up under the team's ass. But actually it did the opposite as they let in another seven goals the next night. So I think they lost like 7-1 on Sunday. They fired uh, AV and, and Terry and the Monday morning. And then, like, Tuesday or, like, either it was last night or Monday night, it was, like, a back-to-back. They let in seven again. <laughs> so, there's no saving this defense and this goaltending right now. Uh, the offense could 
could still score a little bit, but defensively, like, I don't know what happened. Like, they're just literally awful. Like, Provorov, like, like the guy was literally at this point carried by Matt Niskanen for two years, and that's why Provorov, he was so good a few years ago, and he has not been even close to the same guy. And he's still only, like, 24 years old, so, like, it's really concerning for the Flyers. Like, like we said earlier, if they don't kind of turn it around, I think their captain, Claude Drew, has to be uh, gone by the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. They need to get stuff back for him. Yeah, especially what he's gave to the city too. Like he's gave a lot of good years for them and to just return in his face with nothing to provide that, like, it's tough. Yeah. Okay, we'll go on my metropolitan team, New Jersey Devils. Um, last four games since the Hughes signing, we'll always reference that because we like to poke fun at uh, Jack Hughes. But 0-3-1 in their last four. Not looking good for that contract thus far. No, I'm just kidding. But it's it's tough in New Jersey right now because obviously they're such a young team and Blackwood's not playing the best right now. Obviously, J- Jack Hughes is doing well, but they're just they just don't have wins right now. And their defense is looking rough right now. If I told you their leading point scorer, like if you had to guess who it is, who would you say it is? I think I actually know this. It's Andreas Janssen. It is actually Jesper Bratt. Was 20 points in 23 games, which is very good. But he is, I believe, a sixth-round pick. So that just tells me... Where is Nico Heischer? Yeah, exactly. Where is their top talent that they drafted over these past couple years in that depth chart for points? You scroll down, Nico Heischer's fifth. Pavel Zaka's seventh. um, Jack Hughes, obviously, at the bottom, being only playing like about a few games. But Ty Smith at the bottom as well. Yanni Kukinen at the bottom, Saren Govich at the bottom. Like it's, I think it's time for these guys to start stepping up. And I think that's something that NHL fans wanted these guys, young guys to do so they can make the playoffs. We know a, <laughs> a friend that wants them to do very well, but unfortunately that hasn't been the case thus far this year. Um, I, I wasn't expecting the playoffs. I didn't have them in the playoffs, but I expected a better effort to kind of start the year with all the young guys that are kind of dominating the league. Now it's just tough for the New Jersey devils right now. So I think they'll yeah. kind of snap out of it, but I don't think they have enough to make the playoffs, obviously, because no. considering it, what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the Metro's too tough right now. Like, you have the top. It's like Carolina, Washington, the Rangers. Pittsburgh's obviously still in there, so that's four teams right there. The Atlantic's probably going to have four teams as well in Tampa, Toronto, Boston, Florida. Yep. Um so, like, both of these teams, it looks like it's already kind of over unless they go on some miraculous run. And no, I think it's over for Flyers. Really drop off. Yeah, Flyers, it's over. New Jersey, they if Pittsburgh drops off somehow, I don't see it happening because we already <laughs> talked about how they never drop off. They're probably done, too. So, like, again, like, New Jersey, they have lower expectations, so that's fine. But they did make a lot of moves in the offseason to kind of you know, move the rebuild a little bit further by obviously the huge contract to Hamilton. They brought in Bernier as a backup, Thomas Tatar. So they brought in some pieces to help speed it along, but it hasn't mm-hmm. worked out yet. Like, there's still over 50 games. They could still uh, surprise a little bit. But for right. the Flyers specifically, like, they're, they're toast. They're not making the playoffs. Yeah, and it's ironic because both of these teams that we picked play, t- play each other tonight. So we'll see who kind, cool. of, bumps, we'll see who kind of bumps out of their slump uh, tonight. But don't think it'll be yeah. the Flyers because they're looking atrocious and – you know, New Jersey has at least young guys to kind of help their season out. But, yeah, both teams have been bad the past couple of weeks. 
Um, we'll move on to the what you say. So funniest quote of the week from either a player, coach, or management. It's a coach this week. It's our favorite guy, Barbecue Bruce. What you say. So thank you, Jason, for introducing this segment. Um, I mean, we've all been there where we're sitting in a chair for a while and we, you know, can't really get up on our own terms. You kind of got to like stretch out there. But that's usually after, like us, we're doing an hour recording of a podcast that two hours it gets to for me editing, I guess. But this guy was in the chair for like 10 minutes. It was just absurd when I saw it. I was laughing my ass off. So we're just going to play the clip here. So this is Barbecue Bruce at literally at his Vancouver introductory <laughs> press conference. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that, that is our shortest clip we've ever played. But I think it's a good thing we played this clip because he just gives us some of the all-timers, man. He is so funny. Like, there's so many stories about this guy. I think I was listening to the Ray and Dregs podcast. Like, they had a thing with Marcus Foligno. So, obviously, Barbecue Bruce was a coach there for, for I think, three or four years in mini. And one time, like, they're talking about – they're talking to, like, a sleep therapist. So, the guys are in the room. Cause, like, you know, sleep's really important for hockey players before the game. So, Bruce comes in, like, halfway through the meeting. And they're all, like, on lazy boy chairs. Apparently, like in two minutes, the guy was Cade, and they're like, "Hey, Bruce." They're like, "Hey, do you think we?" The guy, like the guy who was doing it, the presenter was like, "Well, should I go on?" And they look at Bruce, and the guy's Cade. <laughs> so they're like, "Bruce, wake up!" And he's like, "Yeah, I have ten minutes." And he Cade again. Oh my god! Like, and that's like the head coach. That's the leader. That's the voice in the locker room. A good voice to have in the locker room, but. Some of the stuff he says is too funny for our, our NHL fans to contain. And I think it's just going to continue. Like, even when the bad things start to happen to Vancouver, we're going to see some F-bombs thrown in the press conference. Yeah, some darns. <laughs> and then there's also another one. This was with Vancouver as well. Like, so so obviously he won his debut for nothing. And the fans were like, Bruce, there yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> Bruce, there it is. So they asked him that after the game. And the guy's like, it's going to go from Bruce, there it is, to Bruce, there he goes. <laughs> it's losing. He's already like, what, three days into his job, and he's already giving us some all-timers. Two legit all-time quotes. Yeah, Bruce continues to be that guy. He'll be, he'll, I think he'll have another spot on this pod for uh, what you say. So, yeah, he'll be down the line for us uh, soon. We're going to go to something that – you are rebounding tremendously from last year, and I'm going the other way. Um, but I went 2-1 and one the last week. You went 3-0. and oh, You swept again. You were 14-1 and one on the year. I am 9-6. and six. I don't know how. I need to literally start throwing money on these games. You do, yeah. I don't know. Just do it. Like, okay, don't, not even line. Yeah. Don't even do a line. Just do winner, like, and you'll win. Yeah, and I'll win. Like, throw a couple bucks on, I'll win. I can't lose right now. 14-1. I, I, three straight weeks, but I believe it's 3-0 and for you. So That's crazy. <laughs> but we'll get to our picks that are actually this week. So I'll go first since I'm kind of, quote-unquote, the loser. Um, Bruins at Oilers December 9th. I'm going to go with the home team, the Oilers there. December 12th, I'm going with the Hurricanes over Barbecue Bruce's Canucks on December 12th. And then I'm going with the Lightning, who are home to the Kings on December 14th. And for my picks, 
I'm not even going to say anything, but I highly doubt I'm going 3-0 again. That'd be like a month straight. <laughs> but I have Jets at the Kraken uh, December 9th. So I have the Jets on the road there. Flyers at Golden Knights. I have the Golden Knights winning against the atrocious Flyers, like we've been talking about at home on December 10th, like I said. And then the, the Ducks and Trevor Zegras and those crazy hands of his at St. Louis. I have them winning on the road on December 12th. It's all picks all around. Not many. No, yeah, some some slam dunks in there, but I guess the Ducks and Blues are pretty close there. But yeah, uh, nine and six. I have fourteen and one for you. Next segment. Do you have a spicy meatball? If you don't, that's fine. We'll just I guess do one next week. I actually do. Okay. And that is that, Mister George Peros. Event sometime during this year or in the off season will resign or be fired from his post from the Department of Player Safety. Yeah, I'm gonna say yes. I'm going to say yes. Um, it's just the thing that's been going on the last couple of years. The inconsistency is the big thing. Um, it never looked good for a former enforcer who would get suspended to be the guy to head that operation of giving out suspensions. It was never a good look in my opinion. And I think that's really caught up to him now, especially with the day and age of media. I know media has been there, been here for like four or five years now, but it's something that's talked about every night. Like there's some clip of whether it's P.K. Subban slew footing or Ryan Reeves doing something stupid, Matthew Kachuk, Brady Kachuk doing something stupid. I'm only just naming those guys because those guys seem to be doing a lot more uh, bad things <laughs> around the league than good sometimes. But I think that's something that George Peros has to really look at himself and be like, I don't know if I'm the right guy for this. And I'm, I obviously probably don't know he cares about the social media kind of roasting him. But it's something I think the NHL really has to look into and be like, yeah, like this wasn't a good decision. But how about you? What do yeah, you think? Yeah, like, that's a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. Like, I agree as well. Like, it's, like, all, like, it continues to just build bad publicity for the league. Like, if you have a casual fan who sees this, and they're like, wait, that guy only got two games? Oh, wait, that guy slew-footed him, but he got a $5,000 fine. That's the maximum you could find someone. Yeah. Like, they're going to look at these, like, penalties, and, like, that. but that's not, like, that $5,000 to a guy that probably makes like Ian Cole, like what, $3 million a year. Like <laughs> yeah. that, that is like him dropping, like that's like us dropping like a dollar. Like it's like, it's so like outrageously inconsistent. And like, at some point, either Peros resigns himself because he's like, okay, like I can't keep up with, like you said, like the game is like too fast and they're making too many stupid calls on these suspensions Mm -hmm. or the nhl is like okay like enough of this like we're getting flacked every single like (laughs) night for for what we're not doing or what we're doing and like all of this like at some point you have to do something because ever since peros was hired i think what four or five years ago it all this controversy has been thrown together when shanahan was there they did a really good job at controlling the suspensions especially like giving out harsher penalties for bigger way harsher way harsher like there was times like just off the top of my head like Rafi Torres yeah I was just gonna say 20 games yeah like 20 games like no one in this league would get 20 if you could decapitate someone they'll give you 10 like it just doesn't make sense so yeah Tom Wilson last year got 20 was reduced down to I believe 14 right yep and that was embarrassing as well and then he also hit Carlo from behind that year and he got seven games for that so like 
how is Tom Wilson, who got suspended like what fifty games in probably two and a half years, get almost? Spets are basically got the same as someone like Tom Wilson. Like that's the part yeah. that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I so. think ultimately that should. I know we're getting a bit, a bit off topic, but I think ultimately that should kind of factor. Like Spets has been in the league for I think they said nineteen years, over a thousand games. games. Yeah. And the first suspension he gets, it was bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But the first game, like, you just right, right away, six games, you know, right away. But Brad Marchand, like, I think you sent this tweet or someone said it. Brad Marchand, a consistent guy who gets suspended three games. Like, just come on. That's yeah, what I don't get. Sense. But, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I totally agree with that. I think that's something that we can see in the future for sure. I don't know whether it's – during the year after the year, but I would say yes, more than no, for sure. Okay, cool. All right. So I think that does it for this episode. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know any new storylines that would creep in the next week because they're obviously the Flyers are doing bad, but they kind of took care of business with their head coach. The Vancouver Canucks were doing bad. They took business with their GM and head coach. But is there some team that we kind of maybe have to look more into and be like, okay, there's something coming here? Well, there's a lot of vacant positions to be filled in the league, like with Montreal specifically, their GM spot, their whole front office is still open other than Jeff Gordon. Obviously, they're not, they, they flat out said they're not firing Ducharme this year, which is a shame. Yeah. It's awful. Um, then you look at Anaheim, that whole Bob Murray situation where he stepped away and like yes. from the team, their GM spot's open. Then you have the fly, the, the Canucks are looking for a GM. The Sharks, too. Yeah, potentially Mark Bergevin. Yeah, that was... <laughs> that'd be awful. But, um, yeah, like, there's just, like, there's a lot of vacant positions. And then coach, like, even, like, in – it's not going to happen now, but Florida, they have – they don't have a for-sure coach now, but this won't happen next week. But there's just a lot of vacancies right now in the NHL for coaches and GMs. Yep. And then in terms of, like, the hot seat, would you look at someone, like, I don't know. It's like the Islanders. Do you think something will happen there potentially? They've been just as bad as Philly, but at least they have legit excuses. Philly does not really. That's true. Um, I don't know if they'll do anything there. I highly doubt it because Lou, I don't think would make a rash decision like that, like firing <laughs> trots or making a huge trade. Like I don't see that yeah. from him. They kind of understand the situations a little different there, but. Yeah, the only thing I would say is if it continues to be like that when those guys are in the lineup, then you – because we've seen it before. Like, they traded Devon Taves when they couldn't get a contract on for two second-round picks. Like, it's not like this guy hasn't traded good players while your team is good, right? Like, yeah. they let Jordan Eberle walk for free in Seattle. Like, we've seen it. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll yeah. see what happens with the Islanders. I, if the players come back and it's the same results on the ice losing, I think that's something we've – underratedly got to look at and obviously the seattle situation i think at, right after christmas is the best time to obviously they're kind of sellers but it's the best time to um put players up on the trade block uh, that people are going to need for the runs in the playoffs or a contender that they somewhere needs uh someone needs a player like an alex wenberg cali Arncrook, who has not been good whatsoever for the no, seattle kraken not. i thought it was a solid pick he's been i don't even know he's on the team marshawn lynch announced his name and he's doing this now man come on <laughs> come on he's cursed 
Yeah. But yeah, those are storylines we have to look forward to uh, throughout the year. Obviously, the World Juniors around the corner. We'll probably team up with the Burning Leaf and do that pool for the World Juniors. Pick some, pick some players. So we'll do that as well. Um, yes, we will. Yes, we will. I think and tend we'll be back next week join us then Woo!